Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 54th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. We've got another great guest in Jessica Aveyard, Director of Ballpark Experience and Branding for the Winston-Salem Dash, High A affiliate of the Chicago White Sox. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Please help grow the podcast by sharing it on social media, telling your friends about it, and by leaving a rating or comment on Apple Podcasts, even though you can listen to it on really anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you leave a comment, you might just hear it on the show. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. That way you won't miss out on any news about the Pulling Tart Podcast. Can't wait to chat with Jessica Aveyard right after this break. But, uh, yeah, I really appreciate you reaching out um, when you said, uh, do you want a guest, a female guest of the badassery kind? I was like, well, duh, of course. So. We try to keep that reputation around here. We got a lot of those in Winston-Salem, so. All right. Awesome. <laughs> so, you just want to dive right into it here? Sure, dive in. All right. Jessica, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your evening and uh, reaching out to to become a guest on the Pulling Tart Podcast. How ready is the Winston-Salem front office for some baseball this year? Oh, man. I feel like that's like the million-dollar question, and everyone just asks us every day, like, when we have fans in the ballpark for events, so like, are we going to play baseball? Are we excited? And... Um, we are thankfully now, finally, after almost a full 12 months, uh, bringing people back in full time, okay. bringing those furloughed staff members back in, uh, hiring new staff. So it is starting to feel real. Um, and hopefully we'll find out when we'll play and who will play and all those things coming out soon. So, um, there's been a lot of buzz going around minor league baseball, I think in the past week that we'll have an official schedule released. And so for us, getting that date really gives us kind of the the time that we get to hit the ground running. So everybody looks forward to that and starts counting down. And every day you rip off that calendar, it's a, your chest gets a little more heavy and the pressure gets a little bit higher. But I think that we need that. Like I yeah. think that our office wants that. We want the pressure. We want to be able to play baseball. So right. um once that date comes out, I mean, we'll be as ready as we can be, but I think it's going to feel like a normal year once the schedule releases and we're we're pushing towards opening day. Yeah, that's super exciting. And you were talking about, like, um, building up the anticipation and stuff like that. Isn't that what we live for, honestly? Like, that's what folks that work in minor league baseball live for. And 
Um, I mean, you guys had it last year, I'm sure. And then, you know, and then it just faded away, of course. But, um, yeah, I'm super excited for you guys um, moving forward. Um, so, ooh, there he is. <laughs> he said, wait, introduce me. <laughs> what's, what's his name? Emmett. So he's named after the best football player from the Dallas Cowboys in the 90s. So uh, I know, big Cowboys fan in this house. So <laughs> I'm a big Eagles fan. It hurts. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. I have no idea what's going on with our team. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up in um, like the dead center of Pennsylvania, so um, that would be why. But well, I, when you're in Ohio, you either pick one crappy orange team or the other crappy orange team. So <laughs> now, I, and obviously this year, I'd like to take both of those statements back because you know they they haven't been so crappy. But yeah. It's, you got to pick somebody. So they were great in the 90s whenever I was a cheerleader for the Dallas Cowboys, some tiny Wayne Pee Wee football team. So okay. uh, it stuck back then. And so whenever uh, whenever I got them, it was either Emmett or it was going to be Zeke. So, you know, we had to pick. <laughs> That's true. All right. I would rather take, I'd rather have you take Emmett then. Right. For sure. <laughs> All right. Um, so what's the craziest situation that's occurred during a game that you've had to assist with? Boy, so, uh, it's funny because I've been on a lot of sides. So mm-hmm. it's been, I've officially been in minor league baseball for 14 years now. So I actually, okay. my very first job was a mascot when I was 16 for the Dayton Dragons. Ooh. So my job has really formed my whole life and it's never something I expected to fall into I'm actually really 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 bad at sports and have never played a sport in my life I golf now but we say golf loosely it's more like drink beer listen to music and hopefully like make it down the fairway I Um, I can relate to that for sure (laughs) so for me I was always a dancer so I really fell into working for the dragons because I was a dancer and they needed a mascot and I had that connection already so Back then, I mean, I went through it. It was rough. I uh, had a time where I was dancing on top of the dugout as the mascot, and the this was before the nets existed and oh, were yeah. all on the edge of the dugout, and the visiting team had Gatorade bottles and was, like, squirting it up on top of the dugout under my feet, basically trying to get me to fall as this mascot and they didn't tell me until after I got off the dugout obviously they can't run out in the middle of the dance and be like wait Jim stop yeah (laughs) um so that was one that really started and that was actually probably the my first or second season that was the season that there was a benches clearing brawl between the Dayton Dragons and the uh West Michigan Whitecaps so that was one of those days and everything just kind of like built and built as the days went on so I really think that it just, that was terrible. That shouldn't happen to anybody. No. Um, but here in Winston, thankfully my uh, game day staff has really kind of honed in on the whole, like, let's not get anybody hurt or get anything, let anything happen that could cause a potential, you know, harm on our fans or on our players or on anybody during a skit. So um, we've had some close calls where we've had to, like, strong arm kids so they don't, like, run behind home plate or... Um, where you've got the the giant cake squares running around the bases and they happen to go just a little too close to the bullpen where the pitcher's warming up. Yeah. So 
Um, we've had a lot of close calls, but thankfully nothing that's been too detrimental. And that's when I'm on the radio like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Wow. Um, but other than that, I mean, we've been pretty lucky. Uh, we have obviously the crazy fans and the proposals that don't go well and all those things that everybody has. And sometimes they're staged and sometimes they're not. But um, for me, all my horror stories come from when I was a mascot. I mean, it's it's a rough life. And the yeah. people who are like have never been in a costume and never tried it and think that it's just like a summer job, man. They got a new thing coming to them. I feel I feel for the intern that we throw in on that first game. Yep. And they just they have to do all those appearances or they have to do the six AM TV spot or whatever happens that day. And they're always so like gumption filled and I always look at them like, Listen, I'm not gonna lie, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh being a mascot is absolutely terrible. Um I did so I don't think I've ever had a mat. I've never been a mascot that actually had like an elongated tail. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the dragon does, right? What What's yeah. the dragon's name? So the guy's name is Heater. Okay. Like fire. Yeah. Um, and Dayton's known for making glass, so her name is Gem G E M. Okay. Um, and so they call it the Gem City, and so she. Um, she has a short kind of like stubby tail that goes up and points back out. So it's actually great for sitting on. Okay. You literally just like squat and sit on your own tail. Um, heater's tail is probably, I'd say like three feet long. Um, okay. and it starts pretty big and it's like really heavy. So it's always yeah. funny when you're dancing cause you're like, your body weight goes one way and the rest of you goes the other way. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, Snappy, the turtle in Beloit. Mm-hmm. You literally cannot sit down in that costume because he's a turtle. So, like, the shell covers up, like, the portion. Like, the shell, for me, like, I was the only per- the only full-time staff member that it actually fit. Um, so, the shell, like, went down to, like, halfway down my quads. Like... It's so bad. <laughs> but, here's a, here's a spin zone. Do you think... Um, being a mascot helped you out during the pandemic. Hear me out. So, and and I always smiled anyways, but when you're a mascot and you're posing for pictures, you know, it's just natural to, like, put on a cheesy smile. And you're like, wait, why am I doing that? Because, like, nobody can see my smile. Like, nobody can see my face. And but and I still catch myself doing that when I take pictures with my mask on um during covid but I have there have been a couple times I'm just like you know what like screw it I'm not going to smile because I don't have to and and I feel that being a mascot helped me out in that situation what do you think they always used to joke I'm a big talker I know it's shocking um, <laughs> but they always used to joke and they're like we can't put Jessica in the mascot costume she's never going to shut up so that was the first thing of learning how to not talk. I think that yeah. really helps with your self-isolation. Sure. Um, and then, like, the whole not smiling thing. So I was a mascot for them for nine years. And then I was also a character oh. at Disney World. So I've, I refuse to get in the mascot now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like I've done my, my duties. I um, get that. Nine I, years. That's yeah, a long-ass time. 
I know. I really like that dragon. She's tattooed on my wrist. I love her so much. What? So, oh yeah, my she's gosh. Awesome. Um, I am all about the not smile. So yeah. I would say probably after my second year, I realized just how much energy I could save by like using that like resting face of I'm so hot I could probably die right now sure. and you'll never know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So now I with with the mask, I wouldn't say I I wouldn't say that with the mask I'm uh I don't smile because I feel like other people can see like they know it's me. Yeah. So then I feel bad because I'm I just look like I don't care and I'm like straight face staring at their camera. So I go back and forth, but yeah, I, I saved a lot of energy not smiling for nine years. <laughs> All right. I I like it. I mean you gotta you gotta <laughs> save your energy where you can. Um, so you, I was going to save this question until later, but you kind of alluded to it. Um, well, what character were you at Disney World, number one, and how did that internship, it was an internship, right? Okay. How did that go? Um, so they actually, you have to say you're friends with, so like if you put it on a resume, you're one, it's like illegal or something to put on your resume that you were a character at Disney World. So really? if you get pinged, um, it's not my fault. Huh. <laughs> um, but they say, you have to say you were friends with. So I was friends with Chip and Dale uh, on a pretty regular basis. And then um, I was friends with King Louie from The Jungle Book. Okay. And I did the Christmas parade um, and I danced down Main Street for two months as Mr. Penguin from Mary Poppins. Nice. So, yeah, it was awesome. And I had never been to Disney World. So I went when I was 20. Um, yeah. And one of my things has always been, like, if there's something I really want to go and do and I don't have the funds to afford it or I don't have a way to figure it out to get there, I'm going to get a job doing it because then I know that I can probably get there somehow. So I had never been to a college football game, moved to Winston-Salem, and went and worked at a Virginia Tech versus ECU homecoming game. Awesome. Wow. I was like, that's fine. I'll totally get paid to watch football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I had never been to Disney World as a kid, so um, I applied for the internship, and they always tell you when you first apply. It was my second year of college, and I was 19, um, and they tell you that you need to pick, like, five or six different options of what you want to do once you if you get into the internship, because mm-hmm. it's very competitive. Okay. Um, and so I had picked two, and I was, my first one was a mascot, and my second one was to work in the costume department. And my first phone interview, uh, the woman interviewing me said, well, are you sure you don't want to pick a couple backups? I was like, nope, because I'm going to be a character and it just doesn't matter. So I only wrote the other one down just in case. Yeah. Um, And you have to audition to be a character. So I had to go to, I was in Ohio, so I had to go to Chicago and audition and spent the weekend there. And there was probably 500 people in this room. It was insane. Jeez. Um, And no one in there, I can guarantee you that probably 99% of them had never put on a costume before. So um, at this point I had been a mascot in minor league baseball for five years. So for me, it was second nature. Yeah. Uh, The hardest part was they were like, don't act like a girl or a boy. You have to be like fluid because you're a character who like a chipmunk. I mean, yeah, he's a boy, but he doesn't really identify. So right. Um, that was the hardest part and they put you through the ringer. They're like, okay, walk across this room like a mascot or a character. And then they tell you to wash a dog and act it out and make sure you get through all the parts and explain your story because you can't use words and we need to be able to see it. Okay. So 
they really cut it down like a professional audition and then you get to the end and um if you can dance which i had been a dancer my entire life up to then Mm -hmm. so i had that part down and so they um if you can dance they uh kind of move your movement score up which is good for you because then you can be in parades and shows and stuff when you get there um but it was the longest uh wait i had ever like literally physically waited on they snail mailed you your acceptance letter and so it was either that or you would get an email and you never knew which one it was going to be. And so I remember being in my friend's work and I got the email that said I got in and I fell on the ground. And at that moment in time, my first thought was I didn't know who to call first. Cause it's not like my parents were like in the same place. And then I have an older sister and yeah. so I just picked my sister first. Cause I didn't want to make my mom or my dad mad. Sure. Um, but it was, it was a life changing experience. I mean, I, the week before I went, my dog got sprayed by a skunk at the time. And so on my way there, I was like, crap, I'm going to be the stinky kid. No one's going to want a room with me. I'm not going to make any friends. Oh my gosh. So, um, it was great. I mean, I drove 14 hours from Ohio with my best friend. And when you get there, it's like, literally you walk on property. That's the first thing you do to like check in and get a apartment. You have no idea who you're going to live with. So yeah. I met some girl in line and I was like, do you want to be my roommate? Wow. <laughs> um, so I lived with seven other girls from all around the United States and they all had different jobs. So they all worked either in rides or in food or one of them worked in costuming. So none of us did the same thing. Um, and it's crazy. I mean, you take college classes while you're there from okay. Disney university and the actual first time that I stepped foot on main street, I was 20 by the time I got there. So the actual first time I stepped foot on main street was through this random back door and I turned to the right and I, the castle was like right there and I just lost it crying. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's so cool. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a wild experience and I, I got lost in the underground tunnels. I, Whoa. uh, my foot fell apart in the middle of one of my parades and you have to like literally exit the parade and you're just done. Like you like walk over to a person in a blue shirt and you're like, hi, my shoe fell apart and they take you to the nearest exit. And then you're in the tunnels down underneath magic kingdom and you just have to figure out how to get back to base. <laughs> so I didn't realize that there were tunnels under there. Yeah, so under Magic Kingdom, it's like a, basically it's like a staff city. So there's the cafeteria, and there's like workout rooms, and there's all these different base check-ins. So really, it's just like a place for all the staff to kind of hang out. And I had to get back to character base, and I was walking around in the tunnels with my head in one arm and my broken shoe in the other. And I'm like trying to follow these maps and asking people for directions. And at that point, it's normal because you're in Disney World. But anywhere else, people would be like, what is happening? Wow. Um, But it's awesome. And I have, I've had, I've been to weddings with my friends that I made there. I still keep in touch with a lot of them. When they come through here or when they would come through Ohio, we would meet up. So people who I literally, I mean, it's been, I did it in 2011. So it's been 10 years since I was a in the college program, you're called a CP. So okay. it's been 10 years since I was a CP and they're great. I mean, it's, it's an awesome experience. It sounds like it. It, it honestly sounds a lot like at least your living situation. So, um, I did an internship for sports science on ESPN and I had to go to LA for that. And, um, I lived in a hostel with like, I don't know, probably like 15 other people. 
And it was just like, oh, that guy wants to be an R&B singer. Uh, that guy wants to be an actor. That guy wants to be a director. That girl is a model. Um, that guy's a club promoter. Um, you know, and it was just like, like all these random personalities, like from all over the country, all, all of the world actually, um, like put, you know, under one roof. Um, but I, I think you have the most experience being a mascot out of anybody I've ever met. And I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing either, honestly. Um, but it sounds awesome. Um, I had no idea that there was like an underground like tunnel. So I've never been to Disney World either. And we were discussing this. Um, I am 30. And I don't have any kids. And there's none in the forefront right now. Um, would it be weird for me to go to Disney World with as a 30-year-old man without kids? Absolutely not. It's way more fun as an adult. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And you can, like, drink around the world in Epcot, and you can, like, do all the fun, like, adult stuff. There's so... Now there's alcohol in most of the parks, which wasn't always a thing. Uh, Disneyland always had it, and they have, like, a vineyard and all kinds of cool stuff over there. Okay. Uh, But here, the only place in Magic Kingdom that has alcohol, I believe, is the Beauty and the Beast restaurant, and they had never had it in Magic Kingdom before that, but you could always drink in the other parks. But if you are over the age of 21 or turning 21 and you happen to be at Disney World and you have no children, I will highly recommend drinking around the world. Uh, It will give you one of the worst hangovers of your life. Okay. It is definitely worth it. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like I could convince my wife to do that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And there's great things in between. I mean, there's characters and shows and parades and all the fun stuff that the kids like too, but the drinking part, I would highly recommend. And the food is always great. Like Epcot Food and Wine Festival, when you can drink around the world and eat at all those places and it's like small plates. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh, there's no better time to be there. And it's like the mm-hmm. fall, so it's not too hot. It's so good. Oh, okay. I th- I think you sold me. All right, perfect. Yeah. Um, I will warn you. My ring light died, so oh, no. the lighting got even worse. There goes the ambiance. Well, I mean, I'm not terribly good looking, anyways, so that's okay. <laughs> um. So we'll jump back into um the game day staff realm here. What's the worst excuse a game day staff member has ever used to call out of work? I'm going to use my worst excuse from when I was a game day staff member. Oh my gosh, okay. (laughs) And it's, okay, it's not an excuse, which is the worst part, but if somebody called you and told you this, you would definitely think it was an excuse. Yeah. So this was probably, it was a Sunday, and I had just moved into my own apartment, and I was like 22, 23. And I was definitely supposed to be a mascot that day. Well, I used to always take my laundry to my mom's house after I left the games on Sundays Mm -hmm. so I could go to my laundry and then I'd go back home. Makes sense. And I drove a Chevy S10 at the time. So super old school Chevy S10 with like, you know, manual locks and all that. So I had put my basket of clothes in the front seat of the truck. 
and my phone was on the basket of clothes. Okay. So instead of getting in the driver's side door first and doing it, I did it from the passenger door. So both the doors, essentially, after I shut it, were locked, and my keys and my phone were both sitting in this basket right there for me to look at and stare. Uh, I was like, oh, oh, my, what did I just do? Yeah. So my call time was 1230. It was like 1145, and I panicked. Thankfully, at the time, I lived about literally six minutes, not even. I could walk to my work at the bar that I worked at. Okay. Like six minutes away. So I didn't know how to get there or who to call or what to do. So I went to, and of course, everyone knows where your spare key is. It's always at the place you're going to go later. So my spare key was at my mom's house. Right, yeah. So I go to my neighbor's door, and I had only lived there for maybe a couple months. I go to my neighbor's door, sweet older lady, lived by herself. I think she had cats, you know. Sure. And I walked across the hallway, and I knocked on her door. And thankfully, I lived on the bottom floor because I was like, I crawled over the banister and sat on my own patio and was like thinking, like, what do I do? Obviously, the back door wasn't open or I could have gone in. So I tried all the options. So I knocked on her door and I was like, hi, I live across the hall. Uh, Can I use your phone? (laughs) And so she's like, yeah, sure. So I try to call my mom and my mom's phone is off. Of course. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Moms, what are you doing? Moms never have their phone. Like, like yeah. people people that are our age, we're roughly the same age. Yeah. And my mom never has her phone on her, ever. Never. No, it's because they, they didn't grow up, like, with one, you know? Right, so, right. So, I get that. All right, continue. And, uh, of course, like... It's not like my, my dad wasn't around. My dad lived in Texas at the time. And he always answers his phone. Yeah. So I'm like freaking out. She doesn't answer her phone. So I, I'm i talking to my neighbor. And she's like, I have AAA. Let me see if they will come and open your car. I'll tell them you're like my niece or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's very nice of you. So she calls AAA. They basically said no. And she's like looking through a phone book. Okay. So this yeah. lady, Cass, I'm telling you, Cass. Yep, yep. So... <laughs> Eventually, we decide that she's going to drive me to my job. So she, I get in her van, yep, and I, van, she yep. drives me down the road to my restaurant that I work at. It is a, we used to have these soccer fields right behind our restaurant, and they would do thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in business on Sundays during these soccer tournaments that were right around the corner. Makes the sense. The place is packed. Yeah. Absolutely packed with soccer kids, parents. Coaches everywhere to the brim. Like they're sitting on the edge of the patio. The whole inside is full. It was insane. So I find my best friend at the time who was one of my managers. And I was like, let me tell you about what just happened. So I go into our office at the restaurant. I get on my Facebook and I message my boss at the Dragons. And I'm like, hey, here's what happened. I really hope you get this message. Yeah. (laughs) I then pick up the phone and call the general line at the Dragons. Okay, it's Sunday. Yep. No one's sitting at the front desk at the general line at the Dragons. Right. And I called like nine times. I went to both of their, like her and her assistant, I went to both of their um, like personal lines. I'm calling. I'm trying to explain to them. Leaving voicemails. No one's answering anything. 
I messaged somebody else and said, Hey, I'm not going to make it. Can you go and be the mascot for me? Like my other, like Jim, she was the other one. It was really me and her that did all the games. Okay. I'm messaging her. No one is answering me. So finally my friend Shelby gets off work and I am calling my mom, calling, 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 still not answering. I get to her house. I had Shelby drive me to my mom's house. It's like 10 minutes down the road. Yeah. Drive me to my mom's house. I bang on the door for what felt like an hour. And we get to, finally my mom comes to the door and looks at me and she goes, what? I said, I'm on the phone. (laughs) I go into her house. I get my spare key. My friend has to drive me all the way back to our restaurant. So... My, I don't, it, we drove right by the restaurant, goes right to my apartment, drops me off, I open the car door, I call my boss, I'm like, by this time, it's like 1.30, the gates are open, Yeah. there are people there, I don't know who's a mascot, and I called her, and I have never been so apologetic, I was like, I'm really sorry, here's what happened, and she didn't even get my first, like, phone call, finally, I, I think I literally called her phone three times, and she finally answered, and, like, called yeah. me back, and we talked through it. Yeah. But if it wouldn't have been me, I would literally have been like, you are lying? Yeah. You really oh. aired yourself out here. Oh, but it's I, bad. I, well, I appreciate your honesty. That, <laughs> man, that is, that is really something. Wow. And yeah. since then, you know, I get the kids who are like, oh, I have to work, or my car won't start, or whatever. Yeah. And when I was a kid, our garage door was always broken. So it would like fall down and come off the tracks or something would break. And yeah. so we could never get to work or school or whatever. Mm-hmm. And my mom, her bosses would always be like, oh, you're lying. You're fired. So it was always this big to do with us with our garage door when I was a kid. So even to this day, I literally believe most of what people say because they'll be like, oh, I can't make it. This happened. And in my head, I'm like, listen, when I was a kid, I had those excuses and I was like, my garage door is broken. I can't get my car out to come to dance. Right. And they'd be like, okay, sure. And like in your head, you're just sitting there because you can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And Uber didn't exist back then. So that wasn't a thing. Yeah. So it, I get it. I really do get it. <laughs> and I always believe them and that might make me gullible, but I really get it. <laughs> I feel like the kids today have like the most elaborate excuses. Always. Um, the last, the last um, interview I did for the podcast um, that'll come out Thursday. Um, so, Robbie Willis was telling me that they had an, a front office intern that called out and said, you know, he was a sport management major, and he said, he said, hey, like we're getting a tour of like the Charlotte Hornets arena, and then like we're going to the game that night, and. One of his coworkers is like, the Charlotte Hornets don't play tonight. <laughs> so I love that one. Like, like telling a telling a front office full of sports fans that you're going to a professional sporting event that's like an hour away, like the the closest NBA team, you know, and just like, yeah, they don't play tonight, you know. Good try. Yeah, yeah good try. <laughs> I love that you're um, continuously petting your dog. Like, oh, yeah. during, he he's very high maintenance. I can tell. Yeah, Bo, Bo is uh, high maintenance too. 
He's, uh, I don't even, it's like past high maintenance. It's pretty bad. Okay. Um, Bo goes to doggy daycare like three times a week. Nice. If that helps you feel um, any better. It's not, it's not even his like energy. Um, he doesn't like the rain. And so uh, for the past like few days, it's been just like pure rain. So he doesn't like to go outside. So when it's not right. raining, he literally stands at the door and is like, mom, take me out. Yeah. So I understand. I wouldn't, I don't want to be in the rain either. What like kind of, what kind of dog is he? Uh, he's a border collie pointer and he uh, will be three in September. He's on Prozac because he's a high anxiety dog. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. He's, Maybe I should put Bo on that. Huh. <laughs> um, does he, do you think he, so like he's part border collie. Um, do you think that he tries to herd you? Um, we had a border collie that used to do that to me and my sister when we were kids. Yeah. So he, he would like run around us yeah. and like try and get us together. Uh, Emmett is not, I don't think he's got the border collie gene cause he barks a lot Yeah. and border collies are supposed to be quiet. Does so... he have the pointer gene? Like, does he try to sniff oh, everything and anything? Oh, yeah. Everything. So. I don't know if you saw pictures of Bo from my um, social media, but I'm pretty sure Bo is a Beagle Jack Russell mix. Okay. Um, very high energy, and he right. wants to sniff everything. It's it's ridiculous. He's he's uh, we say that he's on neighborhood watch, so my dog stares out the window and barks. A yeah. Lot. So does Bo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> People, he, he, dogs, anything. Yeah. He barks at the same tree every time we go outside. The same tree. And I always look at him and say out loud, it's just a tree. It's not new. And I swear yeah. people walk by and they're probably like, what is absolute? <laughs> and people don't like us. Like, there's people see us in the yard and they turn around and walk the other way because he's crazy. <laughs> well, I get that, honestly. Bo is very popular in our neighborhood because he's he's cute. <laughs> But when I take him out, like, late at night, I will talk to him. And I'll be like, I'll be like, come on, man. It's time to go in. Like, you know, stuff like that. But I appreciate his uh, his opinion on things, though, for sure. He's got a lot to say. Yeah. And this, the lady next door uh, loves him, but I think is afraid of him. Oh, okay. <laughs> so everybody likes him from a distance. Like, he gets, like ham hocks from the people downstairs and then uh he like there's people across the like the apartments that always say hi to him but they don't get close yeah <laughs> he's nice for a distance yeah all right um so i did a lot of graphic design as well for the teams that i worked for um and you do that you do a lot of that um in your day-to-day what's the most fun you've had while doing graphic design so it's funny now because I do so much less of it. Okay. Um, I have a creative services manager who is full time. And so he um, does a lot of our graphic design now. And so um, I really just get to approve it. And so I will take on some of the fun tasks. Um, a couple years ago when minor league baseball did the initiative where they wanted everybody to have a credit card, I designed our credit card, which I thought was super cool. Obviously, no one ever made those credit cards, but it was great at the time. <laughs> yeah, I never heard anything about that, honestly. Right, but when it came around, everyone was like, this is so cool. 
I would have loved to have. I would have loved to have like a local like minor league team credit card. That would have been cool. Nothing. So uh, nowadays it's really more. uh, I'm very heavy on the entertainment side, and then now on the merchandise side too. So okay. um, I get to do the fun approving of things, and I don't necessarily have to make it anymore. So um, I went to college for that and was really excited, and that's where I kind of like threw myself into it in the beginning. But now it's all entertainment, all merchandise all the time. So Okay. Um, So are you one of those people? So when I was – I'm not going to say which team, but um, you could probably figure it out. But um, (laughs) one of the teams I worked for – I had to get approval for like almost like every graphic, every press release by like four or five different people. And so like I would take a graphic or a press release to one person. They'd be like, okay, we'll change this and then take it to the next person. And I would make that change and they'd be like, well, I think you should change it to this. And it was what I had originally. And I'm just like, all right, y'all need to, Figure it out. Um, so are you all, like one of those people that like shoots other like creative people's ideas down? So because I was a dancer, I was always really big on constructive criticism. So when I hire someone, the first thing I say is like, hey, how do you take constructive criticism? Tell me how you need to be managed. What makes you the most effective at your job? And what do you need to be successful? Okay. So I learned that a lot just in my past professionally and personally. And so that's always something that I, one, tell new people we hire and two, tell my boss directly is this is what I need to be successful, to feel successful and to keep going and wanting to be better. Sure. Uh, So that's something that I actually look for when I hire someone for graphic design is that they can take constructive criticism well, because that's part of that role. Yeah. Um, and I think for us, like we want to give someone creative control because we understand the empowerment that you have within that role. And that's part of your job. And that's how you measure your success is your creative control on a, on a job and how you think the public will receive it. So for me, it's hard sometimes to be like, that is so nice. But maybe let's change this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think there's times when you learn like when to give the constructive criticism, when to give the tough love, and uh, kind of when to be like, listen, absolutely not. Yeah. And just say no. Um, so uh, it helps to uh, okay. to kind of gauge where and when you think that makes sense whenever you're trying to help someone through a project. And um I mean, we have a full-time person that does it. So thankfully, a lot of my criticism now just comes from small things and like brand standards and um, things that we're really trying to convey a certain message. And maybe it doesn't seem like it's conveyed in this graphic because the creative control kind of went in a totally different direction than what we were assuming. So, yeah. um, but at the end of the day, I mean, that's what they're, they have to be proud of what they put out just as much as our organization sure. does. So, uh, you have to read the person and you have to um, figure out what, what's important with that graphic and what really matters. Like, do you really care if there's white space on it or not? Right. Is the consumer really going to care? Probably not. So Sure. I feel like there's a different, like, I feel like you would give much better constructive criticism than a 55-year-old man that can't, that can barely check his email by himself. Um, so, I mean, like, yeah, it was just like, okay, like, you're really gonna nitpick this, 
when you couldn't even attempt to do what I'm doing. Like, you know... What's a gradient? I don't understand. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And then, like, you do what they ask you to do, and they feel like you're a magician. Like, oh my gosh, like, how did you do that? Like, and it's like, you know, the most simple thing you can do in Photoshop. Um, But, yeah, I feel like you would be good at giving constructive criticism. For it sure. definitely takes practice. Yeah. I mean, it's been my first year at the Dash. I didn't help. Um, I didn't really oversee anything in creative. I just worked closely with that department. Yeah. But in the past three years, thankfully, I've had uh, control of hiring who that person is and really been able to oversee that department. And for me, I worked so closely with them from a game day experience that it just made sense. Sure. And so now the people we hire, like the guy we have now is great. I mean, he has a lot of experience. He used to do a lot of logo creation. And for us, uh, he is great at being able to relay kind of what we're saying and still use his own creative control. Okay. And obviously the best part, I think about a designer who is proud of what they do is that pride and being able to put it out there and say, Hey, look, this is why I'm doing this. (laughs) (laughs) And and that, I mean, he's great at that. So it's all about balance. Okay. Um, so you said that you've taken a backseat to the graphic design, um, but I was heavily involved with it, with the Delmarva Shorebirds. Like, I was the only guy that could do graphic design. Um, and we also implemented a new, uh, video board when I was there as well. Hey, Emmett. He has to go potty. Can we pause? Yes, absolutely. Okay, thanks. Yes. All right, cool. Okay, so were you involved in, like, the um, player headshots on the video board? Um, in Winston, yes. Okay. In Dayton, I was not. Okay, um, that's, yeah, that's what I figured. It was a very well-oiled machine in Dayton, and they had it down to a science, and I did not intrude. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you a story later on that will tell you that Dayton was not a very well-oiled machine. I can't wait. um, So, okay, cool. So we'll jump back into it. Um, What's the coolest player headshots that you guys have done in Winston on the video board? So my first year, we had this awesome group that would come in and do these motion graphic headshots for us. And they were great. Um, And they did, like, the signature where the guys would write their signature and they would record it and they would animate it. It was so cool. Um. And since then, it's been so different for us. Uh, but most of my graphic guys are very skilled in still graphics. And so yeah. we don't do as lot, a lot of, um, or as much, essentially, uh, of motion graphics. So if we outsource them, then we do them with a local ad agency called The Variable. So they do a lot of our, like, pregame videos. And, I mean, those things are freaking amazing. Like, I could watch them all day. Yeah. So we now... Um, do more of the still graphics but it's been so fun in the past years just to like really amp those up and do different themes and so yeah a couple of years ago we had uh jameson fisher who was a 
Uh, he's now a first baseman, which he wasn't a couple years ago. Um, and he had this mustache that was awesome. It was the coolest mustache I'd ever seen. <laughs> and so it was a random, crappy Monday. And Kristen, our uh, creative services manager at the time, was like, we should do something fun. So literally between me and her, we took this crappy Monday where there was not that many fans. And I mean, it was a gorgeous night, but it's, it was Monday. Yeah. And so we made it Mustache Monday, and we put the most ridiculous mustaches on every single player headshot that we could find. We did the most ridiculous and terrible, cheesy in-game videos and promotions and, like, guess the mustache. <laughs> and we had people, um, like, drawing them on their faces with their eyes closed. And it was... That's so funny coolest thing ever we had so much fun no one cared like literally there was nobody else in the ballpark because it was a monday right but it was awesome because we had everyone's headshots were literally covered with the craziest mustaches and then there was just jameson fisher with his normal mustache that he always had and he's literally the reason we did mustache monday on this random day and yeah it was hilarious i laughed every time someone's headshot went that's up. so it was funny. great that's so funny i think I'm trying to think what the best one that I ever did was. Um, it was pretty simple, but I put all of our guys. Um, you know, like, have you watched The Office? I'm not an Office person. Okay. Um, so like, <laughs> like Friends. Sorry. Uh, well, I like I like Friends too. Um, I would say that I like Friends more than The Office. Um, I might be persecuted for that, but. Um, I approve. Uh, my wife tells me that I'm Chandler. Um, oh yeah, because I make like terrible jokes, but like, <laughs> but like in very awkward situations. Um, so, anyways, but so you, but are you familiar with The Office? Yeah, so, I got the gist of it. So, like, where they're interviewing Jim, um, like, and you can see like The Office like behind him, but like there's like a glass, like he's in the conference room. So, like, I had, like, that background, um, and then, you know, of course, like, I always ask the guys, like, um, a bunch of, like, fun questions, like, who your favorite office character was, um, who your favorite baseball player was, um, your hometown, your favorite food, um, and, yeah, and, and it just, like, escalated from there, but, um, I had a lot of fun doing, doing the headshots for our team, for sure. It so. definitely keeps it interesting. I feel like those, like, specialty games can get kind of monotonous after a while. Yeah. So, especially for your designer, like, the first night we did Star Wars Night uh, back in 2017, mm-hmm. um, Brian Nicholson was our designer, and he works for Myrtle Beach now. But at okay. the time, I was like, yeah, just make some headshots. And literally the guys were in the dugout pointing at the video board laughing at themselves because they were like, it was like Jason Irizarry, and he was like, job of the hunt and it yeah. was hilarious <laughs> <laughs> you got you just gotta have fun with it honestly right, yeah so um and you're involved in the merchandise portion now of the operation what's your favorite piece of merchandise that you've helped design for the team store so we have just taken the merchandise over um and brought it in-house in the past year oh it's wow officially okay officially a year so um, it was actually ran by our hospitality company. And so 
Hmm. The conversation like started out like, hey, Jessica, do you want to help? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then it started out with, after that, they're like, hey, Jessica, here's the keys. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm going to do everything. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. So thankfully we had a pandemic. And so gave me a lot of time to completely redesign our store. So if you walk in it now and you walked into it a year ago, it looks completely different. Okay. Um, it helps that we have a brand new logo. So. Yeah, right. Um, but it, it's been really fun, not necessarily designing things, but just being able to kind of touch on that side of things. So years ago when I was in college, um, after kind of my graphic design stint, I wanted to be a fashion designer. Oh, so I'm okay. a big like crafter. My second bedroom in my apartment is a craft room. I have like four sewing machines and nice. all the vinyl cutting machines. And I'm, I'm a big crafter. And I, w- I was a crafter before it was cool. So now like <laughs> people are on Pinterest and love it. I worked at like Joanne Fabrics in high school and big fan. So it, really kind of brought me back to the fashion design side of things um and I get to kind of like live in that realm again and see what could have been so it's super fun to um get designs from like different companies and we brought in a bunch of vendors we've never had like um some we were a Hanes, we're a Hanes store so for okay. us uh, we, we never really brought in the Nikes of the world or the Evo Shields. And huh. um, so now it's cool to be able to offer those brands for our fans. And I was like a kid in a candy store going through catalogs and designs. And, right. Um, the two designs that we've actually designed from the ground up were our Pain in the Dash t-shirt and our Undefeated shirt. And so our creative services assistant did those. And so he did a great job. He was in the store yesterday with his parents and his parents bought him one of each of them and it was super cute. (laughs) But those ones are great. And I think that, uh, thankfully with Hanes, we have a lot of creative control. So, um, at the, at this time last year, they were just shutting down their facilities to start making the masks. Oh, okay. We didn't order anything from them. And so a lot of our Hanes designs will be things that we've designed in house or, kind of our own ideas so that's going to give us a lot of creative control and so cool. i'm so excited because yeah. i think of like my favorite things that i've bought at teams over the years and i'm a big like spirit jersey snapback like i am a go-to for an item not necessarily a brand so i'm excited to offer things we've never had and kind of play with that different demographic and explore those things that we've never been able to offer before so Anything from the ground up will be great, but the fact that I'm going to buy, like, a crop top and put it in there is going to, like, literally blow the Dash's mind. Okay. All right. Very cool. Yeah, you're bringing new stuff that has never been uh, in the team store before. Um, I would imagine... I have it so... When I was with um, Delmarva, there was an older lady that was in charge of the merchandise, and um, I just feel like the merchandise was very um under appreciated and underutilized um and i think somebody um of the younger persuasion has taken that over now um so i'm excited to see what that's going to look like um because i only live like 30 minutes away from there so i can i can go there um have a few beers and go in the team store and all that good stuff um so let me see. Okay, so we discussed this a little bit um, in our DMs, um, and we can edit this however you like. Um, 
So I went on your team website and noticed that your front office was a lot of women, and you have since shared with me that it is no longer that way. Um, so we can just kind of go into what it was like working with mostly women, um, and then, um, you know, just kind of saying like how badass the other women are, I guess, that, that are still there. So it's been great. Like the past few years we've had, uh, I was talking about it today with, uh, Ayla Acosta. She's our director of partnership services. Um, and we had a core four as we call them. (laughs) Um, so Myself, Ayla, and then my assistant, Rosanna, and then our accounting manager, Amanda. Amanda's literally been there since we were the Warthogs. It's been oh wow, the beginning of time. And so she has grown with the team and been there ever since. Um, Ayla started as an intern the year before I actually got here. So we've been with the Dash for about the same amount of time. And Rosanna was my first hire. So I hired her in 2016. To be on the game day staff and then kind of gave her the same role that I had in Dayton where I was the entertainment assistant, worked in the front office, and then we actually gave her a full-time job. And so her role in the past two years was the coordinator of fun. So that was her actual title. Ooh, nice. um, and so she uh, is the one who in the past week or so has put in her notice and is going to move on and um, kind of try out some new things. And her degree is actually in biology, so she's going to go work at a chiropractor's office. So we're super oh, excited for her. Okay. Um, I'm absolutely heartbroken, and I would just like to make that a note. (laughs) Sure. Um, But she's going to be great. Um, But, yeah, I mean, when I first started, we had no girls. Like, there was, I want to say maybe two or three in the front office full-time. And so it really built up over time, and it was awesome. I remember a couple years ago, we did the, like, women in, like, sports day that – happens every year and we took this picture and there was like eight or nine of us and it felt great yeah so for us now um we'll probably be about even going into the season I would assume um which is good for us because I mean normally we're the minority so we're happy to at least be equal um it's it's definitely a different vibe than like the regular kind of sports world. And I think it's definitely going in this direction to where the women of sports are really trying to lead the charge in a lot of different ways. And thankfully minor league baseball super supported that initiative and gave me the opportunity to go to winter meetings in 2018 with my women in leadership scholarship and started the lift program. And we've had now Amanda, myself and Ayla have all been mentors within that program. And so minor league baseball was helping pave the way. And I think for us, I mean, it made our office stronger because we have strong women in there who really love what we do. We're really passionate about the industry, about growing it and about making sure that there's other women that we can bring in. Like I always look at a woman's resume before I look for a guy's and that's not anything against the guy. It's just, I want to give them more of an opportunity because I know when I didn't have that opportunity. I mean, there was, Years ago, I interviewed for a job, and they said, well, you're the only girl that applied, and so we figured we'd interview you. And at that point, oh. you're like, thank you? You're yeah. welcome. Like, right. So we've built our own dynamic, and we do, um, we do, we do, years ago, you know, back in normal world, we did uh, some really great, like, staff initiatives and some team building things, and so I tried to start doing things for just the girls, and um, had Stephanie, a former employee of minor league baseball, come in and talk to us about leadership and some great things. And, oh, I know Stephanie. Um, yeah. 
Stephanie's great. Yeah. I, uh, she was an awesome person to really kind of give our girls the boost they needed to realize that she, I mean, she had big dreams within my league baseball. And so it's people like that and people like Emily Jansen. And we want those people to be out there and, you know, start their, the, uh, women, um, podcasts and start the, the charge really for us to be able to say that, Hey, we're here too. And we're here to stay and we're going to come in strong, just like these guys are. So, um, I mean, we're in a great place in our office and we work together, probably no offense to the men, (laughs) but we've learned to work together way better than the men have mostly because we have to. Yeah. Listen, women drama, people think it's drama and people think it's cattiness and sometimes it is, but for the most part, like we're just trying to figure each other out. (laughs) Women have strong personalities and we're not submissive. We like... We can't just push it off and be like, oh, it's fine. I right. Don't, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Like, we're very strong women in our office. And so um, it took a lot for a lot of us to figure out how to work together. But, I mean, we got some badass women in our office. And so um, Ayla has been recognized by Front Office Sports. And so she was one of the Rising 25. Ooh, okay. Uh, she also won the triad. Uh, they did a uh under 25 leaders or 20 in their 20s was what it was um so she was just recognized there um and then amanda has been a mentor uh i mean we're we're definitely stacked to the brim with some awesome female talent and we just keep pulling them in so we're happy to bring in any women we can to lead the charge that's super impressive so the front offices that i've worked for were you know there was like one maybe two full-time women um and so and you've listened to a couple episodes so may you may know this i went from working in minor league baseball which was primarily all men um but i mean the the females that i worked with i was close with um one of them i dated which was i advise nobody to do that um that was a complete and utter disaster um, but, but so like in Delmarva, I worked with one woman and, um, you know, like I was very close with her, we're just friends clearly. Um, and, but like, so she would, you know, I would get like a new sweater or, or, you know, or I'd get my hair cut and she'd be like, oh, your haircut looks nice. Uh, that new sweater looks nice. And so I figured, so now I work with all women. I'm literally the only man in the office. And when people call into our office and I answer the phone, they're like, oh my gosh, I never thought I'd hear a man's voice on the other end. Like, you know, and I'm just like, oh, this is interesting. That's how they felt. <laughs> but yeah, but, but also none of these women compliment me on my haircuts, my new sweaters. <laughs> I'm just like, I thought it was going to be full of that. And it's not. It's bullshit, honestly. You guys get it enough. We <laughs> Not really, because all of, all guys' relationships are are shitting on each other. Being be like, oh, nice, stupid fucking haircut. You know, like, <laughs> you know, stupid stuff like that. Like, I don't know. Um, so give me some tips on how to work with all women. <laughs> so... Last 
year, this was like my favorite part of Innovator Summit. Oof, RIP Innovator Summit. Yeah, um, rest in peace. <laughs> it's fine. It was just supposed to be on Wednesday on this year. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so last year, Innovator Summit in El Paso, we all were at these round tables. And I was sitting next to some strong women. Like Betsy from Pulaski was there. And, yep. Oof. Not from Pulaski, but you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so she's sitting next to me, and Chanel, who worked in my league baseball, was sitting next to me, and we're having these conversations. And they had put strategically one or two guys at every table. And so they brought up these topics like someone, it was a fake situation of someone from this partner who was talking to the representative at the minor league baseball team had basically made a pass at one of the female workers. And she had gone gone to her boss and said, hey, like, this happened. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. They're a great partner. We'd hate to lose them. And so we had this conversation at the table, and I'm explaining to the guys, like, hey, guys, do you know why this isn't okay? And I sound like I'm talking to a child, but (laughs) even in that point, you're trying to explain to them, like, do you have – I said to them, do you guys have a woman – who is a leader in a leadership role within your office that other females feel like they can go and talk to in an uncomfortable situation? And they're like, oh, no, but they know that I'm always there to talk and blah, blah, blah. I said, if someone it's not the same, yeah. advance or a pass or something happens, are they going to come to you and be like, I just wanted to let you know that Bobby told me that my butt looked great in my pants today when I was getting something off the printer and I'm not okay with it. They're not going to tell you that. Like, right. So I think that you kind of have to just play like as dumb as possible from the beginning of like, we have, I I don't want to say we have to dumb it down for the men because that sounds offensive. But But we are pretty dumb. I, (laughs) I didn't say it. I just think that for us, like, we just want, we, one, we want to be treated like every other guy. Yeah. And we, that doesn't mean that we want you to come in our office and, like, rip a big one and be like, man, I had a huge lunch. Like, that's <laughs> not what we want. But we do want, <laughs> when someone has an idea at the table, like, don't overlook us or don't no. look yeah. to the guy next to you. And it's it's simple things, and it's that's how guys are, and they don't it as being offensive and we're women so a we're gonna take it like it's offensive and b we're gonna get emotional and c we're probably going to be mad and then they're gonna think we're creating drama or we're gonna cry and then they're gonna think that we're being a crybaby so it's a very fine line yeah <laughs> we just want the same we want the same we want the same respect we want the same treatment we don't want any special understandings see- of yeah. See, I give so in my job now, and I feel like I always did, um, but in my job now, especially, I give all the women the respect in the world because I'm the low man on the totem pole right now. I yeah. am, I am the new guy. Um, is yeah, like everybody else has years upon years of experience other than me. So like, so like, I come to them like with my tail between my le- my legs. I'm like. Uh, I think I messed up, um, you know, like that kind of stuff. And it's just, and, uh, I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's just completely different from, um, 
you know, talking about sports and drinking beers and, and like, like, oh, I swiped right on this girl last night and, uh, we're going out tonight. I'm hoping, uh, you know, you know, this, you know, like, and, and now I have to listen to, oh, well, the baby was up half the night last night. Um, and, um, you know, my, my daughter just didn't want to get ready for daycare this morning. And it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's two totally separate worlds that I'm in and I just don't know how to balance it, honestly. So you're involved in a lot of team, like community events. What has been your favorite community event that you attended on behalf of the team? Oh, every year in Winston, uh, we have a big Christmas parade. It's called the JC's Christmas parade. Okay. And being the Disney person that I am, any reason to put on a cheesy grin and wave like a princess, I am so in. Mm-hmm. So we may, we don't like to make a float, but we have had a Jeep or a truck or we use, uh, like local partners and we'll get like a big, like, uh, SUV or a big yeah. pickup truck. And so, uh, it's so fun. So you literally get in line like three hours early, which is the mm-hmm. worst part. You Why guys don't do you pregame that? To what? You guys <laughs> don't pregame that? No, and that's the, what I was going to say. Why have we never thought to bring beer and pizza? And we always get there and we're like, yay, parade. And I'll bring like cookies and candy canes and like a case of water because I'm thinking like, logically yeah but i don't know why i'm not like pizza beer like spiked hot chocolate all those things should happen you should do that yeah but we love it and it's like there's like 10 deep down our like fourth street which is like our main street downtown and it's cold as heck and it is loud because there's usually a band in front of you and probably behind you but it's like hundreds of floats or like groups or something and it lasts a while, but it is so much fun. We nice. have a blast. And so this year they did a reverse parade, and we did – it started in the Dash parking lot. And so okay. we had our mascot. We have a local DJ. His name's DJ Heck Yeah. Um, <laughs> so DJ Heck Yeah was there. And uh, Toys for Tots, Salvation Army. Um, and we were collecting donations, and they were handing out hot chocolate. And it started in our parking lot, so there was a queue of cars, and – there was a bunch of like parade workers and we were playing. I didn't know that trap Christmas music existed, Ooh! but it does. Ooh. <laughs> and so Bolt was getting it. He was living his life and nice. I'm like back there dancing in like Christmas Mickey ears. And we had just had, um, we did a drive through Santa event this year where people could come into our lobby, like say hi to Santa at a social distance hot chocolate we had merchandise for sale and then they would leave and so we did that for four days over the course of december and it was amazing i had so much fun but it was crazy it had been the longest day i had just finished decorating the lobby we had just had all these cars and then we had to go up to the top of the hill and we had to do this huge parade but it was so fun and so the jc's parade i look forward to it literally every year so i was so glad they still did it but reliving my glory days and being able to wave and dance and so it's super fun we love it a lot nice that reminds me of a story um so there's an island off the coast of maryland um that people still have british accents um because they're so isolated um it's super weird but like so like they've 
so the kids on that island have to go to high school, like, on the mainland, if you will, like, in the state of Maryland. Um, so, like, and where they go to school is, like, hick country area. Um, and so, um, these kids end up having, like, a British hickish accent. <laughs> And it's super weird. And so we would go to this um, to this Christmas parade, and it's in Crisfield, Maryland, which is probably 30, 45 minutes away from um, Salisbury, where the Delmarva Shorebirds play. And I, I wasn't Sherman the Shorebird at this point, but I was, I think, driving the truck. In the Christmas parade. And um, at that point, the dab was really popular. (laughs) And I just remember these kids saying, like, Oh, Sherman, please dab on us. And I was just like, whoa, this is such a weird concept. Like, these kids with British, like, hickish accents are asking Sherman the Shorebird to dab for them. Oh my gosh. It's a wild concept. I know you, you need to wrap your head around that a little <laughs> bit, but it's true. Well, when you said that, all I thought of was my Uncle Herschel, who, like, stands on his front door, like, front porch with, like, a shotgun killing, like, wild dogs that get close to the chicken coop. <sighs> Literally, all I thought of was him yelling something with his hick accent, because they live in the holler in, at like, in Kentucky. Yeah. All I thought of it was him saying it with a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> See, that, that's probably what it would sound like, honestly. Right, right. Okay. All right. I can get down with that. I relate. I relate. Um, so I've been to Dayton a couple times. And you worked for the Dayton Dragons. Um, and I did want to share a couple stories about my time in Dayton. So my first year with the Beloit Snappers, the All-Star game was in Dayton. Um, great time, by the way. Great... Uh, Great city to have a Midwest League All-Star game in. Had a great time. What was that, 20... 2013. 30, yeah. Okay. okay. Um, and so you guys um, had, like, the game day staff kind of, like, all split up. And, like, you would... They would host us, basically, and, like, take us, you know, to the outlet stores and, like, to different, like, restaurants. And... Um, I was extremely single at the time, and like <laughs> you know, like very single. And um, I was flirting with this girl that like kept on. Um, she was like our tour guide, if you will, and very cute girl. And she like told me a lot about herself, blah blah blah. blah. And she did not have a ring on, and I was like, okay, cool. Um, so I kept on flirting with her. We exchanged numbers, blah, blah, blah. And come to find out, like, during the All-Star game, she was married. And, like, but she said some things to me that, like, I was like, oh, okay, like, this is gonna happen. And, and then, like, the girls that I worked with in Beloit were just like, whoa she like played you dirty like she made you think like that she was single when in actuality she was married and you know all this stuff so that's the one story it's not really a story it's just like 
oh, woe is me, you know? Um, Later I'm going to need that name. <laughs> I, I, have, I literally don't even remember her name, honestly. Oh <laughs> um, I deleted her number out of my phone years ago. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was maddening, honestly. But so I went back to Dayton. So one of my best friends, um, he was, um, an usher in my wedding. Um, and we worked together in Beloit. He's from Cincinnati. And, um, so I went back to his hometown, um, you know, stayed with his parents, all that. And we went to Dayton Dragons game and they were playing the Beloit Snappers who I worked for at the time. And so I was probably about seven beers deep at this point. And um, so I went like to the dugout where the snappers were at. And I was just like saying hi to the players and the manager and like all this stuff. Like I was, I was pretty close with the manager. Um, and I was the director of media relations at the time. So I was pretty close with the players. Um, you know, and I was the guy that they came to for their walk up music, you know, all that stuff. Um, so I'm at the, I'm on top of like one of the dugouts and I was, I was just like, Hey guys, like, and they're just like, Oh my gosh, Bobby, like, I didn't expect for you to be here. And they're like, come on down. And I was like, what do you mean, come on down? Like, there's like a 10-foot drop from, like, where I'm at, like, into the dugout. And plus, like, there's, like, security everywhere. Like, and so they were just like, no, just just jump. Like, we'll catch you. And I was like, okay. Like, this sounded really good with seven beers in me. And so I jumped from the dug from the top of the dugout into the dugout during the middle of a game <laughs> and nobody no security member came looking for me like nobody noticed and i was literally in the dugout watching the 6th 7th 8th and ninth innings and like i went into the clubhouse and like the starting pitcher was like you know doing doing his exercises like and I'm, I was like, hey, man, like, you know, great start, blah, blah, blah. And, like, you know, and literally nobody, no security member came near me. I, I walked out of the visiting clubhouse, like, with a beer in my hand. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so you want to talk about Dayton being a well-oiled machine. Yeah, they sold out a lot of games, but their security lacks quite a bit. Which is funny, because if you would have been on the home side of the dugout, Marilyn was the usher who was there, like, literally every game, all the time. She used to be a lunch lady. She okay. would have had your ass. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she would have, but... There would have been no way. But I, uh, I... Part of me is surprised that that happened. There used to be a gate in Dayton where you would walk into, like, from the suite lobby. You would walk into, like, the side door... And there was a gate right there, and I was thinking about this earlier, <laughs> and it said on it, authorized personnel only. And you, like, open up this metal gate, and it would always slam. Like, I can still hear the sound that it makes in my brain. Yeah. And years later, when I went back after I'd already moved away and came back, that gate is gone. It's like, oh. it's just like a free-for-all. Like, you just walk down the stairs, down into, like, the clubhouse area, but there's a security guard who sits downstairs at the bottom of those staircases. I can't tell you how many times I walked by them. Now, thankfully, I've been there for nine years, so I literally knew probably everyone who works there. Yeah. But after a while, you're like, 
oh, it's fine. We'll just walk down. They won't say anything. And you've got beer and funnel cakes and everything mm-hmm. you could think of. And they would never say anything. They're just like, oh, hey, Jessica. And it was fine then. But that gate, now that it doesn't exist, I'm like, wow. Hmm. Can you just walk wherever you want now? <laughs> like, is it okay? Uh, but, yeah, they don't Apparently, I can go right into the... Right in the dugout, apparently. So. Well, the the visiting clubhouse would... It, so you would walk down a really long hallway, and the yeah. bar door was right there, and then that was the main hallway to get back up to the staircase. Okay. So we would always see people come from the visiting clubhouse, and normally that's where like, our grounds crew sat back down there during games, and then the like all the visiting clubhouse stuff, like it was just normal, like traffic or whatever. Yeah. I would have, if we would have seen just a random guy walking from down there with a beer in his hand, I guarantee you we wouldn't have thought anything of it. (laughs) I mean, we're the entertainment staff, so we're probably like, that's cool. But we'd be like blasting like the wobble when they're doing like pregame tours in the hallway. And Eric Deutsch, our VP, would always come in and knock and be like, guys, we're like, oh crap, sorry, we didn't realize it was that time. Right, (laughs) right. That's it's funny. A popular hallway, so that's funny that I would assume that someone would see you in the hallway more than they saw you jump down the dugout. Well, hey, <laughs> it was. I had a great time, nonetheless. But <laughs> I mean, it's a great place. They, yeah, uh, uh, it's. I got a lot of good Dayton stories. It was awesome. I had a blast. Oh yeah, Dayton's a great town. Yeah. Um. So you work for the Winston Salem Dash, and I know Chris Paul. Is one of the is one of the owners, um, and of course I work for a local State Farm agency now, um, and he's a spokesman for State Farm, and he's an amazing basketball player. Have you met Chris Paul yet? So two years ago, whenever we announced that he was buying into the team, he came to the game. And so he was, like, in the office sitting and, like, talking. Omar Vizquel was our manager then, and so he was okay. there talking to him. So there's a picture of him and Omar just, like, chatting it up. I'm like, to be a fly on the wall, like, what were they talking about? Right. So that day, I, I've i worked in entertainment for a long time. Yeah. So I, I hate the play ball kid. People uh, are always like, play ball! Yeah. Okay. And it's super nostalgic for all the people who have worked in baseball forever. But yes. But I hate it. It literally, I cringe thinking about it. So that game, I don't know whose idea it was, but somebody said, let's do the play ball kid and have Chris Paul's kids say it. And I was like, okay. okay. So when something big happens, so normally I stay in the control room. I don't leave the control room. I'm confined to my four walls. I like my air conditioning. Yeah. I get everything I need to get done from in there. And if I need somebody to run somewhere... That's what I have assistance for and interns, and they do it all for me. That way I can control everything from one place. If they need something, they know where to find me. It's worked for years, so I like my little room. Sure. If something big is happening, I am hands-on, on the field, holding a mic, let me do it. Okay. So that day, they're like, okay, we're going to do the play ball kid. And I'm like, okay, is somebody ready down there with a mic? And no one was answering me. Uh. And I, I, it's literally only like... 20 feet from the room from home plate to the control room it's down a set of stairs and it's right there on the field so i literally was like okay i'm gonna just go down there and try not to stress out about the fact that no one's already down there and i'll do it and so i'm on the radio and i'm like 
Okay, guys, are we ready? Are we ready? Are we ready? So I'm yelling to the control room where I gave somebody else a, a headset when I left. It yeah. was so stressful. So I ended up holding the microphone for when his kid said, play ball. And so I creepily have a photo, which no one's going to be able to see on our podcast, but I creepily took a photo from his Instagram of me holding the mic with his kid saying Oh, it. wow. Yeah. And so the day before, it popped up and someone... Like, he posted it on his Insta story, and so I ended up taking a video of someone else's phone with it, because back then, you couldn't, back then, you couldn't record your screen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, it was, <laughs> it was, yeah. right, sorry, we're yeah. old now. Yeah. Um, but it was super cool to just, like, and he was like, thanks, that was awesome. Um, and now I have his address, because I have to send him, like, merchandise all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we want him in a dash hat, and we have a video of him in a dash hat, like, welcoming the team, and um, we did, like, a playoff video a couple years ago, and he was, like, rooting him on, um, but I send him stuff all the time, so I'm always like, look, I got new socks, and he can only wear Nike, so the other day I was like, yeah. look, I got this new Nike shirt. <laughs> so That's pretty cool. I'll send him stuff, and I've never seen him wear it, but we're hopeful, but yeah, he's great, and he's been, he helped during the pandemic, like, pay for meals for our game day staff that weren't working so okay it's been really cool to be able to see um him be involved and he's in pretty good cahoots with our owner and so yeah. they talk back and forth about a lot of things and so we're we're very thankful for him and he's actually really nice so he like seems he seems like a, a really nice guy honestly yeah um that is pretty cool that you get to send him gear and stuff to wear i just wanted to wear it just once and i write like handwritten notes and i'm like Hey Chris, and in my head I'm like, this sounds so stupid. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that is pretty cool, though. I like that. Um, oh, so you got you were saying like, oh, we have a video of him in a dash hat, um, welcoming the team and stuff like that. So I went to a King County Cougars game one time, and this is like the first three episodes of the podcast. I interviewed their broadcaster. Um, <laughs> And he, I was like, just amazed. They had a video welcoming, like, you know, are you ready, Cougars fans? And it was iced tea. What? And I was just like, and at the time, I was just like, what is the significance of iced tea? Like, is he, he's not from this area. Like, he's from, he's from like Cali, you know? And I was just like, why do they have this random video? And I asked their broadcaster, and he was just like, I have no idea where we got that video from. But he's, I don't even think he's wearing, like, a Cougars hat. Like, he's just like, are you ready, Cougars fans? Get on your feet! And I was just like, I don't understand why this is a thing. But, like, if Chris Paul came on at a Winston-Salem Dash game... I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. He's a part owner of the team, you know? Right, like, he's from right down the road. Yeah, he's from Winston-Salem. Like, right. and, and that makes sense, but, like, the ice tea video at the Kane County Cougars just doesn't make sense whatsoever. We had, when I first started, we had a bunch of Ric Flair videos. And he was like, go Dash! Woo! And I was like, uh, why is this cool? And everyone's like, that's Ric Flair! I'm like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. And I grew up watching, like, Paul Hogan. Like, I don't know yeah. what Ric Flair was. And so back then I was like, this is not cool. And then my ex actually loved, loved wrestling. And so I'd be like, that's Ric Flair. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, that's his daughter, Charlotte. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, sorry. You knew that. (laughs) 
Is Ric Flair from the area? I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know if I ever asked or if I ever cared. I was just like, what? who is that? Who's this old guy that's, like, really tan? There, there was a time where, like, you could say, like, oh, this is pretty cool. We've got a Ric Flair video of him saying, whoop. Right. You know, and, but... But at the same time, I feel like that was a very short period of time. <laughs> It'd be way cooler now if it was his daughter. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so we've been talking and you you took Emmett out like at some point during this video or during this podcast, sorry. Um, and Bo is very spoiled. How spoiled is Emmett on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, probably like a Forty-six. Okay. <laughs> he's like, he's just one of those dogs. So we adopted him from um, ARF. It's like a local organization. They're only open on Saturdays, and you can go into this like random backyard in this weird like alley. That sounds really weird. Uh, <laughs> it does. You're right. But you can go there on this like Saturday afternoon and walk around and look at all the dogs they have, and they like do all the dog shots and the paperwork in this like shed. It's very strange, but it's a great well-oiled machine operation. Um, and so we went one day and looked around and I had looked at a, like a mutt and his name was Augie. Oh my gosh. He was so cute. Yeah. And I, Emmett just gave me the eyes. I think he hears me talking about another dog. Um, and so we walked in a pen and it was him and another dog. And I, I just loved him. He was so cute and little, and I just could He had a little sweater on. I was so <laughs> cute. And so from that day, I was like, oh, this dog is about to be so spoiled. So literally, he has a different collar for every, like, season. So he has a Cowboys collar, an Ohio State collar. He's a minor league baseball collar. He actually won the Nationwide Pet during the <laughs> Virtual Innovator Summit this oh, year. Oh, hell so, yeah. He's pretty spoiled. Um, Everybody knows him. I got him a coat for Christmas. Uh, We did a photo shoot whenever me and my my ex broke up. Uh, We did a, uh, like, dogs over bros thing. (laughs) I like it. We did a photo shoot at the ballpark and... uh, Does he wear, does he wear, like, clothing? Like, he doesn't fight you on it? Um, I mean, it depends on the day. He's the dog where in the morning I get up and I sit on the side of the bed and I brush my hair. Yeah. And he sits there and stares at me until I brush him with my brush. So, <laughs> he's, um, and he's one of those dogs like in the middle of the night, he'll hop up on the bed and he comes to the top of the covers and he goes like this because he wants you to pick them up so he can go under and lay down. Yes, Bo does that too, yeah. And at the end of the night, you're halfway off the bed, and he is living the life, spread out. Like, I have a full-size bed, and it's literally, like, his bed, and I just happen to, like, sleep on the side, basically. Yeah. So, I get that, honestly. Bo Bo has, like, um, Christmas pajamas that he he doesn't know how to walk in because (laughs) because they're, like, four-legged pajamas. Like, oh and he, like, just, he literally stares at you and is like, I don't know how to walk in this. <laughs> um, but yeah, he goes to doggy daycare, like, three times a week. Um, he is the most spoiled. Like, so, my wife works a lot of night shifts, and of course, I work during the day, and so, 
um, on days that he doesn't go to doggy daycare and she worked night shift, she sleeps during the day and he will sleep in the bed with her all day. Um, he is just spoiled beyond belief, honestly. Um, I get up early, like, to take, like, to take him to doggy daycare. It's, it's, um, I don't know if you ever heard, so you've listened to the podcast for a little while now. Um, I don't know if you ever heard the story about how Bo came to be, but I was at the, um, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like a social media and video board, like, conference in St. Louis. Okay. The, oh, Video TX is what it was called. So I went to the first one. Okay. And, uh, it was in Texas, which is why it was called Video TX at yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was 2016. I went to the very first one. Okay. I went to, yeah, it was, it was, I honestly learned it so much. Shout out J.D. Davis. Yes, J.D. Davis. (laughs) Um, I got to get him on the podcast. Um, But, so I was in St. Louis at this conference, and I called, she was just my girlfriend at the time, and I was like, hey, like, what are you doing? Like, today's your day off, you know, whatever. And she's like, um, I went to the SPCA, and I was like... (laughs) And I was like, okay. And she's like, um, and I was like, okay, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm at PetSmart. And I was like, why are you at PetSmart? And she's like, um, I got a dog. And we had, at that point, we had talked about getting a dog. I was in the process of moving in with her. And we had talked like, you know, I'm a dog person. She's never owned a dog before. And, um, I was like, okay, like, let's pick out, like, a good breed, you know, like, that kind of stuff, and nope, she walked out of the SPCA with this eight-week-old Beagle Jack Russell mix puppy, um, who had kennel cough at the time, um, somebody had found him on the side of the road, um, and she walked out with him. And she was at PetSmart with him when I called her on my lunch break at Video TX. And I was just like, are you kidding me right now? That is, that's normal. We literally that day, I never looked. He would look at dogs, I'm telling you, every day. Every day. I look at them all the time, yeah. I was like, stop. So, and it was the conversation of, oh, we'll just go look. Let's just go look. Yeah. We'll go look. And I'm in the, I'm literally in the parking lot and they haven't opened yet. I'm looking on the website and I saw Emmett and his name at the time was Gabriel because him and all of the dogs in the litter had biblical names because they thought the mom was fixed and she ended up having like eight puppies. And so (laughs) I, I saw this picture and I was like, I want this one. And my boyfriend at the time looked at me and said, I knew it. He's like, that's why I didn't show you, because I knew if you saw one, that's the one you'd want. Because I grew up with Border Collies, and so I was yeah. all in. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little different. He's a, um, he's a barker. I mean, he's got a lot to say. And I'm the kind of, like, dog mom that I just let him say it. So my neighbors probably really hate me. But, <laughs> I mean, he, he keeps us safe. Like, he's great neighborhood watch and... 
he'll be laying in bed in the middle of the night it'll be super quiet and dark in the whole apartment and he'll hear something and he'll bark so loud and you shoot out of bed like don't wake daddy and it is the scariest like feeling in your life but yeah yeah he's something <laughs> Bo, man he yeah he is i want a big dog so i keep on i keep an eye out for for dogs but um no time soon but this is a picture of Bo. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I'm a big fan. He's uh, so spoiled. It's not even funny. Um, but yeah, I'm a big dog fan for sure. So I would hate it if there was another dog in this house. He he just turned around and looked at me like you said my name. Um, He's... do you do you want to know what Bo's name was before we adopted him? Yes, Darren. What? <laughs> <laughs> with people why do they look at a dog and go i know a dog named daryl so that's funny but why do they look at a dog and go i think i'll name you brian or like yeah. something and you look at him and you're like that poor dog like that's and yes my dog's name is emmett okay i get it people but you know what yeah I but i get that like everyone else's dog now is named loki that's not even a cool superhero he sucks <laughs> like name name her dog like or something yeah i so i had a game i had a game day staff member who was very young at the time she was like 19 years old and she was a bartender in wisconsin she was she was a bartender at the the stadium and her she kept on talking about this boyfriend that she had and i was like well what's his name and she's like Thor. And I was like, what? And she's like, yes, his his God-given name is Thor. And I was just like, oh my God. Like, you're, da- you're dating a 19-year-old named Thor. Like, this is ridiculous. Oh, these poor people. I know. I couldn't, I, I'd never met a person named that before. So we do have a couple listener questions, which is exciting. Um, this one is from Rosanna Bailey on Twitter. Um, what are three things that you would tell women who are just getting started in the sports industry? So I am the... Uh, I, I always give advice and then I, I go back on my advice and I'm like, oh, should I have said that? Um, so I actually am one of the people who you'll probably meet in this world that has a lot of college debt, but I don't have a degree. So I threw myself into the work industry so fast Mm -hmm. out of my internship that I was like, I love my job so much. I don't have time to focus on going to school. So for me, I have learned that gaining experience has far, far beyond any piece of paper that I could have on the wall that says I graduated from somewhere. Now I'm not saying don't go to college. I'm just saying that I spent my time literally throwing myself into any job I could find that was sports related so that I could get better at what I'm already doing. And so at this point, like I just gotten out of college, came back from my Disney program and wanted to be the entertainment assistant at the dragons. And I volunteered for everything. She said, we're setting up for the Christmas party. I was like, I'll help. She said, we're going to start this cool assembly program. I said, I'll help. So uh, I mean, you just have to insert yourself into those 
awkward situations, the things you really might not want to do um, with organizations. If you're a part-time employee and you decide, like, I really love this place, I want a full-time job, volunteer, do whatever you can, go out of your way to show them that you're interested. So experience over that piece of paper for me has always gotten me further. So highly recommend doing those odd jobs that nobody else wants to do. Okay. Um, I am a big, big, big supporter of the learn when to say no. So I was always the yes man. Um, and I, it got me a lot of really great places and it's gotten me a lot of what I do now. And especially like the merchandise thing, I was like, yeah, I'll help. And then they were like, here's the keys. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Since then, um, I mean, I oversee a lot of different departments within the dash and I love everything that I do. And I'm so thankful for every part of my job, but it comes to a point when you have to learn when to say no. And I think that as women in the business, we're afraid to do that because it makes us look like we're weak and we can't handle something. And then also just as young millennials in the business, like we're so gumption filled that we are so excited to do anything you hand to us, whether it is mopping the floors or alphabetizing, you know, play balls. So I think that we get to that point and like now you have to learn when to create a balance for yourself and know when is too much and when you have to stop. So Mm. um, learning to say no for me has been a a huge thing. I teach all my own employees that I teach all of our peers that I try in every intern class that comes in. I'm like, you guys have to learn when to say no. Like it's hard for an intern, but if you feel overwhelmed, if you're at your lowest and you can't perform the duties that you've been assigned, then you're no good to us anyway. So um, that's, it's so funny because the last time I told somebody that on a like an interview for a magazine, I said, you have to learn to say no. And the guy on the other end like laughed at me. I was like, oh, okay, let me explain. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, and then one of my biggest things is learning to let go of control of things. Um, and so I always live by the never underestimate the power of empowering your staff. Um, so I think that when you first get into the business and you're taking ownership of things and you really want to show somebody and take pride in it, you also have to learn to be able to work in a team. You have to learn to be able to delegate, um, even like newer staff members, if you're working in a ticket department or you're working on an entertainment staff or you're, you know, passing something out, they're going to give everybody a a bunch of odd jobs. And if for some reason you have a team that you're working with, then the best thing you can do is lean on that team. You can go to those other people and say, hey, let's divide this up and do this the smart way, not the hard way. So for me, once you get to a leadership role, I mean, it makes more sense to be able to learn how to delegate and to empower somebody else so that they become just as as successful as you are. Okay, Um, yeah, But those new people, I mean, it's the same way. You can't take everything on and be like, oh, this is is it. This is all I'm going to do. I'm going to take it all and I'm not going to share. I'm not going to delegator i'm not going to learn how to you know balance with my teammates right okay makes sense perfect um we do have one more um this is mike sellers um and he's been a long time listener of the podcast which i appreciate um and he says i road tripped from ohio to winston-salem last year for a ballpark tour And I met and chatted with Jessica and found out that she worked for my hometown team, the Dayton Dragons, and she was even familiar with the small town I was raised in. My question is, what is your favorite work memory from each of the Dragons and the Dash organizations? 
The Dragons was, I would have to say, so the day that we broke the 815 sellout. Okay. So Portland Trailblazers led it forever. And then in 2011, we broke the sellout and we had two different celebrations. So we had a day planned on the actual day that we broke it. And we're like, here's what we're going to do. It's going to be awesome. And then we pre-planned a day two months later and said, here's the day we're actually going to celebrate this. We obviously don't know when it'll hit, but we want to pre-plan some things to make sure it goes well. The day that we broke the streak, I was a mascot that day. And we walked from, there was a video that played. And if anybody can ever find this video, I don't know where it is. Shout out Scott Rohr. He was um, one of our production guys and really oversaw the entire development of our brand new control room there. And he is a freaking rock star. So Scott made this video that counted down all the memories and all the moments that led up to breaking the streak. Very cool. They they played this video. I have it somewhere because I always show new interns it and I'm like, watch this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... They played the video, and my friend Sam and I, he was Peter with me at the time, walked, we have the same birthday, which is crazy. I Ooh. met some guy, he was the mascot, and I'd never met somebody in my whole life that had my birthday, and we had okay. to be a mascot together. Crazy. Just a side note. Yeah. Um, so, we walked from the dugout to the outfield wall, and we were pulling a banner, and we pulled the banner down to reveal a number one jersey that they retired in Dayton for the number one fans in baseball, essentially. Okay. So as we're walking out, they're playing this video, we get out there, we pull this banner, they say something, and I am sobbing inside of this costume. Because it is one of the coolest, most monumental moments to see a crowd of 9,000 people stand to their feet in appreciation for something that they did for an organization that we didn't ask them to do it. Right. We We didn't ask them to buy tickets, we didn't ask them to come to games, we didn't ask them to support us from day one. They did it as a fan base for the city, for the team, and it was astonishing. I have wow. never felt real goosebumps, the 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 feels back then. Oh, it was crazy good. And so walk back into the dugout, whatever. Ends up that all these highlights from that day of us practicing that are like on CNN. So it's like me and Sam oh. like in normal clothes walking to like the side of the like outfield. Um, and then the day we broke the streak, uh, it was like just one of those moments. So I wasn't a mascot that day. And they said, Hey, Jessica, can you be in charge of the mascots? Make sure they get out to the field again. They walked out to the outfield. They pulled a banner. Um, I think that was the day that they did the number one Jersey. We unveiled like a eight fifteen celebration Jersey because the owners, the president and the VP there worked in hockey for years. And so okay. they're all about banners. And so instead of yeah. hanging them, we put them on the padded wall, whatever. Okay. Super cool. So that day, they walk, Peter and Jim walk out to the outfield and they're like, Jessica, can you hang out with these guys? They had to go out and like wave their hats. And they were our owners at the time, Magic Johnson and Archie Griffin. Yes. They're like, just make sure they get out to the field. I was like, Okay. <laughs> So I'm like in the dugout. My dad is the biggest Lakers fan you've ever met. Obviously, if you live in Ohio State or in the state of Ohio, Ohio State is life. Like, yeah. even if you didn't go there, if you didn't go to college, if your parents didn't go to college, it doesn't matter. Everyone in Ohio roots for Ohio State. Right. It helps that they're awesome. That's a side note. <laughs> but we are, I'm standing in this dugout and I'm just having this whole conversation with these two guys. And one, Magic Johnson is so tall, it's crazy. 
And two, yeah. it is like, back then, I was like, oh, this is cool. Now, as like a sports fan and how like in-depth my job is and all the things I do, I didn't realize at the moment how freaking monumental that was. Yeah. To have any conversation with either of them, astonishing. So that was super awesome. Uh, it just it puts you in your feels and you're like, man, sports. It's great. So It, it does that to you sometimes. Uh, my, the dash is, I, I take a lot of ownership in everything we put out on the dashes field because I finally got to run my own entertainment department. And for me, it was so important to like make the memories that I felt as a kid going to Dragons games or the memories I was making when I was a mascot and kind of just like leading by somebody else's example. Every year on opening day, I try and make our entrance bigger and better. And that was something the dragons were known for. And so I try and do it at the dash as well. So our first year we did, I'm blanking. Oh, I did trucks. So I, I was like, Oh, I'm in the South. Okay. We had a great. Like we have, have an awesome partnership with flow automotive. I said, I want pickup trucks. Yeah. And I told my president and my boss at the time, who's now our VP and our president was the, president of the Carolina League, who, RIP Carolina League. Um, yeah. So we are standing on the infield, and I said, I want 20 trucks from bullpen to bullpen with entertainment staff, different acts, people in the back, throwing things, flags, waving, all these things. And they're like, why 20? And I was like, because 10 is not enough and 30 is too much. <laughs> and it was like a question. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, so they came out. So life is a highway on opening day, great entrance, everything goes off without a flash. The next year I was like, crap, now what am I going to do? And so I always, always, always wanted a trick horse. Oh. Like somebody who like hangs off the side. Yeah. Okay. Well, it turns out that's pretty hard to find. Okay. (laughs) Um, And in Dayton, we have this ramp. You have to go down this huge ramp to get into the field. So it limited all these things that we did from opening day. Like there wasn't always something we could do. And so I am on field level. Like you can drive into the field from the parking lot to get into the dash. And I was like, the possibilities are endless. Yeah. So my friend finds a, she was our, one of our service coordinators at the time. She finds a local like horse stable barn and says, this lady's willing to do it. So I literally took my mascot costume to her and have pictures and videos of her riding it without the head on. She comes and she rides around, literally just around the warning track and tests it out. She comes for opening day and I, in in my entertainment head, I'm like, what song makes sense? Yeah. So of course I picked Enter Sandman because. Sure. <laughs> because I was like, what else makes sense? Yeah, so, really. I have never seen so much media coverage over a freaking mascot on a horse in my life. Huh. It was. So cool. Um, and then the year after, we did a band. So we did Winston-Salem State. Uh, the band came out. Bolt had a cape and a hat and a little stick, so he was the drum major. Okay. And that same year, we ended with the Wake Forest uh, Spirit of the Old Golden Black. And so that's their band. And so they did our last game. So those moments for me, I have always told myself, like, you have to take five seconds because I love the feeling of, 6 a.m. at the ballpark, opening day, lights on, it's still dark, there's dew on the grass, and you're standing there doing all these TV spots. That feeling is like, oh, this is why I do my job. I love talking about entertainment on those mornings. I love hearing 
what the broadcaster is talking about. I love the new food we're off, like offering all the merchandise that's out and all those TV spots to me are like, that makes it opening day for me. I love it so much. So I have to remind myself during my opening day entrance that I put all this time into and this stress and this pressure to stop, to watch, to take it in, to breathe. and Smell the roses. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I cry every single year. And it's like, I, I couldn't pick one because everyone is special for a different reason. Yeah. Everyone to me is like, we have just made a memory for God knows who in the stands. And like, I love being on the front page of the paper with our mascot bringing in the band. And I yeah. love all the news anchors talking about the horse right into the stadium. But it is nothing is better than that. Like five seconds when you're like, damn, we just did that. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so, um, plug yourself a little bit and tell the listeners where they can find you on social media. Um, I will say this. I tried to find you on Instagram, and I'm pretty sure I'm following the wrong Jessica Aveyard. <laughs> I so I was looking through her Instagram today or yesterday and I was just like, huh, um, that doesn't really look like her, but I see some some similarities. And then I can't I keep on scrolling and I'm like looking at her dog and like I'm like I'm like, that's not her dog's name. Like and and like it was like a golden doodle or something like that, and I was just like I'm pretty sure this isn't the right Jessica Aviar. <laughs> so my Twitter is literally at Jessica Aviar. Like super easy. Follow me. I literally, I'm the. Excuse me, sir. We're trying to have a serious conversation. Uh, on on Twitter, I am the person who will like at Starbucks when they like mess up my order. Okay. Or I like yell at, at PDQ and I'm like, "Where's my zucchini fries? Bring them back now." Yeah. So uh, I've tried to be a little bit nicer on Twitter, but it's rough. Okay. Um, and if not, then I'm normally just resharing pictures of dogs. <laughs> hey, that's fantastic. Uh, my Instagram is actually Jessica Lynn underscore six two four nine. Oh. I like okay. to be uh, mysterious on Instagram. I like when people actually find me. I'm like, "Hey, good job! That was investigative work." All right. So, um, but yeah, my and my Instagram is lots of pictures of Emmett. So, I'm perfect. Sure I'm not sorry at all. Perfect. All right. Awesome. Love it. And um, so you've listened to some episodes, uh, so you know I end with the same question. And this can be found on the Spotify playlist, the Pulling Tarp Podcast Walk-Up Playlist. What has been your favorite walk-up or warm-up song in your baseball career, and whose was it? Uh, So I actually talked to my assistant about this, and I'm like, man, whose was my favorite? And, like, who, like, did I I actually like them? So I'm the person who they give me their walk-up songs, and I'm like, ugh, (laughs) I don't want to do this. Because we didn't do walk-up songs at Dayton. So I came here and I was like, oh, they don't uh, do walk up songs in Dayton. I mean, they did it when I was there. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So here I was like shocked. Um, And Joe Weil, our broadcaster forever, uh, would always be like, 
Jessica, someone wants to change their song. Yeah. And they knew I hated it. Yeah. Um, so my favorite walk-up song, I was actually in Durham. And the worst part is I have no idea whose walk-up song it was. Okay. Because I got caught up in the moment of dancing and singing every time it came on. Um, it was that Dirk Bentley song that was really big like three years ago. And he had the chorus, and every time it came on, I just, like, hit the moment. And I don't know what the song's called or who it was. Okay. Um, probably because I blocked those out in my mind. Sure. But we had, three years ago, we had a guy, Yerman Mercedes. Who's then, also a former Delmarva Shorebird. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Yerman, I let all of our guys pick three walk-up songs. Wow, um, you're like, way more generous than I am. Way I, more generous. I don't like repetition. Okay. So I would rather have one guy come up to bat four or five times and hear each song once or twice than okay. hear the same song four or five times. Okay. So, and I get there's nostalgia behind it. And, like, I used to go to Reds games, big Reds fan, and I'd be in, like, who knows where, and I'd hear Brandon Phillips walk up song, and I would run. To right. Watch. Yeah. Um, and so, Yerman Mercedes walks in the control room one day and goes, Jessica, why you no play my song? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about because I literally have them right here. Yeah. And so, he had this walk-up song and it was this Hispanic song and I could never tell you what it was saying, but it sounded like it was saying, hey, batter. And Is so it? We all... Does it have his name in it? I think it does. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, but it's great. And yeah. So it was always so hype, and you'd be like, Yerman's up. And so that one was great. And it, like, it really hit home. The worst part is, since then, I could never tell you any of our guys' walk-up songs and who had it because I blocked them out every year. Okay. Um, when we play our softball game as a staff, we pick walk-up songs for everyone else. Okay. So those are pretty good. So I would say that my favorite walk-up song from our staff is our CFO. His name is Kurt Geschman. Shout out, Kurt. Um, he'd never listened to a podcast in his life, probably. Uh, and he, we did, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big, walk-up songs are hard for me because I, like, despise them. Yeah. Mine is always Trick Daddy, Take It to the House. Ooh. So when someone puts me on the plate, I'm like... Yo, yeah. that is a banger. <laughs> wow. I always strike out. Okay. I'm not good at sports. It's still a banger. Um, Trick Daddy, Take It to the House is a good one. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I've am never been one to associate because I'm always the person that's like, oh, I hate it. Oh, I hate it. Okay. So I'm going to tell you a quick story about Yerman Mercedes because he was before... Um, he was the year before that I was with the Shorebirds. Um, but so the director of marketing at the time had told me that Yerman came to him, you know, right before gates open and was like, Hey, yo, Bobby, I need you to, to change my walk-up song. And um, so he he was just like, you know, he had way better things to do, right? And so like, it was the middle of the first inning, and he was like, oh, shit, Like I forgot to change Yerman's walk-up song. And it was the one that had his name in it. Like, yes. that, was, that was specifically designed, you know, that was specifically made for him. And so he changed it literally about, like, 30 seconds before he came up to bat. And he ended up hitting 
three homers in that game. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. I've never been, like, it was so funny growing up, they never had them. And so as we got older, like, and I was, like, starting to associate, I was like, oh, this is cool, like, in other teams, because we didn't do it as a dragon, so I didn't yeah. get it. But when I came here, it was a big deal, and I tried oh, to like, yeah. take them away, and they were like, absolutely not! I was like, oh, sorry. Yeah, you can't do that. So, but now I always tell my players, I'm like, is that going to help you? Are you going to hit better because of the song? And exactly. Like, well, I'm like, you're not, you're not. <laughs> I, I always ask guys, um, you know, guys that have like a rough you know that are having a rough spell and they'll be like they'll be like Bob I need you to change my walk up song I'll be like are you gonna do better than one for four tonight like you know and they'll be like well that's the point like I need you to change my walk up song it's got all the magic out of it and I was just like alright you know it doesn't work that way and it's always they go to the broadcaster because they're always afraid to come to me and every year we do, like, meet the team, and it's like our executive staff goes into the, the locker room, and we had one guy a couple of years ago, and he looked at me, and I was like, hi, I'm Jessica, and he was like, you again? And he had been there for three years, and I said, you again? And the whole room laughed. All the guys gave him so much shit. Oh, so when shit. he finally moved yeah. up, he, like, came in and hugged me and was like, bye, Jessica, I'm going to miss you. I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. So, but they, I, that day, I always tell him, I'm like, okay. During and I run our media day, and so I'm always like, fill this paper out. I need your three walk-up songs. Yeah. Yes, you have to have three. This is why. If you want to change them, you can change them at the All-Star break, and that's it. Oh, so I okay. tell them you get three beginning of the season, you get three at the second half of the season. That's it. Yeah. And if you want to take one out? Okay, but yeah. you ain't changing shit. Yeah. I don't like it. Well, I like that concept. In Beloit, we had a guy that changed his walk-up song. Literally, like every other day, and he was struggling. I, I kind of, sort of understood it. Um, he was a high draft pick, but was struggling, um, and he was just a big music head. And I was like, all right, you know, whatever. And so after that year, I put, I implemented a rule like, okay, you can have two walk up songs, and you can only change them twice throughout the season. You know, it like, works. Yeah, so well, I I understand the works. rules and regulations behind it. Yeah, I I don't think that it ever really worked because they always like went through like Joe or Connor, like our broadcasters, and they always come to me and be like, "Hey, Jessica, this this guy wants to." I'm like, "Absolutely not." Yeah. So Joe would start like downloading it and cutting the music and then send it to me and be like, "Could you put this in?" And it would be like the crappiest YouTube version, and I'm like, "No, yep. I'm not using that." <laughs> That's how yeah, it goes it never, sometimes. It never went well. Yeah. It was always walk up songs and I I it's really hard for me. Like it just it's, I feel like it's like the the hardest part of my job is having to tell these like 19 year olds that that song is not going to help them hit the ball. Yeah. I and I I'm do really re- sorry. I respect it honestly. <laughs> I love it. I I get it. But I also didn't play sports so in my head I'm like I I like a hype song. Yeah. If you play something hype, as long as I'm not walking out to the plate at, to like Barbie Girl or Spice Girls or sure. something, I get it. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's not, I mean, I'll walk to the plate. I will strut to some freaking Trick Daddy, but I'm, I ain't going to hit the ball. I love it. <laughs> love me some Trick Daddy. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for taking the time tonight to, to shoot the shit with me. Um, take the time out of your evening to come on the Pulling Tart podcast. I really appreciate it. 
Um, and yeah, just thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. It's my first podcast, like talking experience. So oh, I feel wow. very special. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that I could provide that for you. Um, and this will come out on Thursday, uh, Thursday, the 25th. Perfect. So. What a way to celebrate almost going into March and being closer to baseball season. <laughs> Absolutely. Again, thank you so much, Jessica. Appreciate you. Thanks, Bobby. You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stove Leg Media. Make sure you check out our page at StoveLeg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.